Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. We back once again. Um, rough week of podcast. Pause the music. Rough week of podcast. I didn't like it very much. I started to like re-listen. You know how like when you're trying to do something new and you're like in the moment, you're like, yeah, this is good. Yeah, this is working. Yeah, podcasting. We're doing it. We're making big moves. And then it's like you go back and you kind of reflect on like the actions that you just took. And then you realize it's like, wait a second, like that wasn't very good. That's kind of how I feel about the last like five to six episodes of the podcast, maybe four to five. Mike, that wasn't very good. Unpause my music. But we're back to schedule. We're back on schedule. There's no more cutting it. We're going full throttle shift in a turbo, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, baby. I don't even know what we're going to talk about. But we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, right here. One of the podcast. This is the best part of the song. It's like 30, it's like 30 seconds. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. I got to turn it up. Anime Weeb 24 back in full effect, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my god, I spent the, the like a big chunk of my afternoon watching One Punch Man on Hulu. I created another new account. And did you know Hulu gives you a month? I th- this isn't a sponsor, but did you know that Hulu gives you a month of free Hulu and not like a week? So it's like I get I get to watch like all the shows that I want to watch. I want to try and watch that other tv show fire rescue it's the anime it's an anime that i that i i'm not into but i kind of i'm like i look at it and i'm like maybe i want to get into it they also have this tv show that like literally as soon as i canceled my netflix subscription i wanted to watch it it was a like a like a re recreation of uh, of the wu-tang clan's rise to fame and popularity and it has like real actors. It's not like a bio. I think it is a biopic. It's like a movie made off of like a real event with real actors, but it's not a documentary. That's what it's called, I think. So um, there's that, and I wanted to watch it and I wanted to see it, but uh, I literally canceled my subscription, literally, as I uh, as it was released. So I'm going to watch that next. And then it's like, I'm also, uh, there's also this other drama, The Great. I, does anyone else love British soap operas? They're the best. I love British soap operas. The Great apparently is like, I don't know, a, a comedy about Catherine the, the Great or whatever. I don't know. So it's like the Wu-Tang Clan movie. Also, um, also what what is it? Not the movie. The Wu-Tang Clan TV show. And then it's like Fire Rescue. And then it's like, I remember one of my favorite shows was Harlots as well, which I loved as well. And then it's just like, I started to realize, I'm like, holy shit, Hulu has a lot of awesome TV shows. Like, they don't have South Park anymore, but 
like again, this isn't a Hulu ad. I completely forgot how awesome like the selection of just relevant TV shows there were. Like I wanted to see Dave, right? Hi, I'm Dave. It's the Dave. It's, it's the TV show with a little dicky in it. Completely forgot that it was on Hulu. And then it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Do you want to know what? I, 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 I've never seen that TV show, but I've heard it's fantastic. And I saw like the first episode where I think they just said the N-word and I was like, that's weird. But then I was like, I was, I'm somewhat interested. But it's like, dude, they have all the TV shows. They have all of them. They have like all of the modern good TV shows that are interesting. And then it's like, wait a second. Like, I, I kind of realized like how much fucking TV that I just haven't watched. And it's like, regardless of how much TV that I just haven't watched, I'm just, I'm going to cancel my subscription. I may cancel it early. This is a lot of distraction and time wasted on things that I don't need to spend time on, to be honest with you. But yeah, Hulu is, oh my God, Hulu is banging. They got a lot of great TV shows. Shout out to Hulu. So yeah, that's what I've been doing for the last couple of hours. That's why I also played uh, One Punch Man as well. Second season, not as good as the first one. The fights aren't as epic. The fights aren't as good. It's supposed to be a little bit more comedic than action-packed. There's no good fights in it. And I'm almost done with the second season, too. Like, I'm like, wait, like, there's no good fights in this. There's, like, a ton of good fights in the first season that lasted, like, that were, like, bang, bang. But it was cool, the, the, the animation. I'm a little bit disappointed. Ironically enough, it's like I, I just cannot stop getting enough of anime. It started yesterday where I was, like, you know, for the podcast, I was like, man, do I want to watch? I want to watch something besides, like, a cable network. I want to watch a movie. I want to watch some anime. So I was like, I'll put on the My Hero Academia movie, which is almost over with because I paused it and played it from where I left off. I'm like an hour and 22 minutes into like an hour and 40, maybe an hour and 50 something minute long movie. But I played that movie first because the second movie that I wanted to play, Pro Mayor, baby. As soon as this movie's over, we're going to play it. Like I'm literally going to stop the podcast, go over to my DVD player, take out the DVD, Put in Promare. We're going to watch Promare. Technically, I'm going to watch Promare. You're going to listen as I watch Promare. All right. So <clears throat> let me play you this clip transitioning from anime and weeb stuff. Let me play you this clip because, boy, howdy, am I like, – like sometimes I just f- put things out. I put an hour-long podcast out yesterday where I was just like talking about Russell Wilson, talking about all the Russell Wilson news, and I just just put that out there. Let me play you something that was just I thought was just the absolute culmination of what I'm talking about with how significant this player mobility is, ladies and gentlemen. Let me let me put this out. Let me put this out. It's gonna be. I'm gonna turn it up. I'm gonna, actually I'm gonna leave it where it is, and then I'll turn it up if it's too quiet. This is Latoya. Cantrell she's very significant very important person she she's probably gonna say who she is listen very closely if you don't catch it I'll repeat what she says here here's Latoya Cantrell of New Orleans I've heard the rumors now and I want to make sure that you understand that the city of New Orleans 
is a place for you and your beautiful family. I'm Latoya Cantrell, Mayor of the City of New Orleans, and I know, Mr. Wilson, that you will be a great addition to the New Orleans Saints. And more importantly, I can see us in that number, winning that Super Bowl championship once again. And what else I can see? The Mrs. Sierra Wilson herself on that main stage during the historical Essence Festival. Just wanted to stop in to let you know that we not only admire you, we, we want you. Love you, man. Love Sierra. Love your beautiful family. The culture of the city of New Orleans awaits you. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the mayor of New Orleans. The mayor of New Orleans, right? Playing Sierra's most popular song by far, Level Up. Song was made like three years ago. But she played that song like three years ago. Or not three years ago, but she Sierra's song was made three years ago. But she she played that song. She made a little video. Essentially trying to recruit Russell Wilson to come to New Orleans. Drew Brees isn't even retired yet, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, let me just be honest. Let me like let's you know, like, let's take take away the BS. She did that because Tampa Bay and their mayor is awesome with the Bucks. She was, like, front and center with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. She, she was like, Brady's getting a, cre a key to the shit city, as he should. I just have a question. Did he get a key to the city for I, I don't want to get into that. But, like, make no mistake, this was 1,000% politics at its finest. But, but regardless, she's doing the right thing in the sense of she's like, yes, like, I want Brady, or not Brady, but Wilson to come here because he named New Orleans, I gar not guarantee, there is no fucking doubt in my mind that the majority of the, uh, the, the network debate shows are going to lead with that clip, that minute-long clip, at some point in the show. Maybe they'll lead it with their first hour or their second hour or their final hour. They're going to fucking lead with that clip because that fucking clip is exactly is exactly what I was talking about yesterday and, and the weeks before that, where I'm like, listen, man, a change has happened in the league where players have so much more fucking power as opposed to when they used to, as, not when they used to, as opposed to, you know, a couple of years ago when they essentially didn't have the same amount of power. Now you have fucking players. <clears throat> now you have fucking players being like, hey, man, you better listen to us because we suck. We're losing. And now... It's actually creating, I don't want to say waves. It sounds way too, it, it, it sounds way too cringy to me, but they're, they're, they're creating momentum. There we go. Momentum, right? Behind this like player driven movement of, Hey man, like if you don't fucking listen to us, we're going to fucking lose. And you now start to see people and players being taken care, not care of, excuse me, serious. Russell Wilson hasn't even asked for a fucking trade yet. Keep that in mind. He hasn't even asked for a trade yet. And people are already like, hey, Russ, come to, come to our city. Come to New Orleans. Come to the Chicago Bears. And it's like, ladies and gentlemen, it's what I've always said. It's what I've always said. Some people are like, you can't pay a quarterback. Me, 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 me. Like people are like, you can't pay a quarterback. It's a matter of money. You can't make money. 
And then it's like, somebody else will. And somebody else will win with your guy. That's the reality. I, like, as much as people either don't want to admit it or just sick and tired of hearing it, quarterbacks are the most important position in all of pro sports. It's, it's not even like up for a debate. It's not even close. It's, it is the reality. They are the most important position in all of pro sports. If you have a great one, you're, you're, you've found the golden goose. You found the golden egg. You found all that you need to have essentially. If you don't have one, then you're screwed. The Saints know it. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they knew it. And so now all of these teams are like, man, like, we gotta, and it's weird, right? It's weird. Most important position in all sports. You would expect that position to be, to be the most influential on the team dynamics, and it's not. Like Russell Wilson is like again we talked we, we talked about it very badly yesterday. But it's like we talked about it already. We talked about how Russell Wilson is like went to the Arizona not Arizona Cardinals, excuse me. He went to the Seattle Seahawks I think week 10, Thursday night football against Arizona. He's like, "Hey guys, I got a lot of great suggestions, a lot of great themes, a lot of great ideas and concepts on how to fix our offense. A lot of great ideas." Seattle's like, ah, fuck it. You're a quarterback. Sit down. Play football. Russ pissed off. Was pissed off. Still is. Stormed out the door. They went on for the next couple weeks to run their very vanilla offense. DK Metcalf talked about it. He's like, yeah, like people started to figure out what we did. It is what it is. And then you have Brian Schottenheimer being fired because apparently he didn't run Pete Carroll's offense. Because apparently Pete Carroll wants to run the football until Nick and two, Javon Kenlock, Nick Bosa, and Eric Armstrad, and Aaron Donald. Apparently he just wants to run the football. That's why Seattle has one of the worst. That's why Seattle's winning record against the Rams is at Horrent. Because they, they just keep on running into a brick wall in Aaron Donald. It's like, yeah, yeah, great idea on that one. Great idea. Just run into Aaron Donald. That'll help you out. And then they're like, yeah, we're just not even going to get our guys' complex routes. And I mean, I constantly complain about Seattle's route combos all the time, ladies and gentlemen. But it's it's systemic, right? It goes from, well, Russell Wilson gets laughed at, mocked. People don't care what he has to say. They fire his OC, and then they want to go back to and run through a brick wall. That brick wall is the best defensive player in the NFL, one of the best defensive players of all time, maybe the best defensive tackle of all time, to be honest with you. Not even being facetious about that. And then on top of that, you also have them coming back to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson meets up with Pete Carroll and company. And he's like, hey guys, listen, like I'm tired of fucking getting hit. Can you help me out? They say, shut up, Russ. We're going to do whatever we want to do. So then Russ goes out to the Super Bowl. That's the image that you see of him and Sierra. When he's up in the booth with Roger Goodell, and he's up there, he's looking miserable. Sierra looking peaches and cream. 
She's she's trying to converse. She's trying to cover for her husband. Trying to be a fantastic wife. She's trying to she's trying to fucking quarterback the situation. Russell Wilson is pissed off. He's not very happy. She's got to make looks appear as if everything is okay. Everything wasn't okay. Russell Wilson did not want to be there. He obviously didn't want to be there because he saw Tom Brady go down and beat the shit out of Kansas City. And Russell Wilson's like, oh my gosh, he, he, he heard the stories. He's like, wait, they get to rest Tom Brady? Tom Brady gets to take a day off whenever he wants to? Bruce Ar- He gets to go to Bruce Arians and say, hey, Bruce, I, I want out. I, like, I, I, I want to take a break. I'm Tom Brady. I'm 40, 43 years old. Best player on the planet. Best, you know, be- I'm the best at the, I, I'm the best at all. I get to do whatever I want. They rest Gronk. Tom Brady's like, hey, I got to get my guys. I got to get Rob Gronkowski. And more importantly, I got to get Antonio Brown. Bruce Arians said that'll never, ever, ever, ever happen until week eight. And when Antonio Brown was off suspension, they brought his ass into Tampa Bay. Then on top of that, Tom Brady made a phone call. He got on his cord phone, the wheel one that rolls when you got it. The, the, the cord phone that stretches out. It's from the 1980s, Strangers Things, if you know what I'm talking about. Those old ass phones that have the cords in them. He took out because he's old. It's an old joke. Stay with me. Old joke. He has a cord phone, not a cordless phone, a cord phone. Doesn't even have it. Beeps up, calls up Antonio Brown, makes a phone call. Not Antonio, Antonio Brown, excuse me. He calls up Leonard Fournette. He makes a phone call. He says, Leonard Fournette, hey, can you come down to Tampa? Leonard Fournette's like, I'm done with Jacksonville. I want to win a Super Bowl. So Leonard Fournette came up on the on the quickest flight, maybe the quickest drive. I don't know the distance between Jacksonville and Tampa. But he drove up, he sat his butt down, and he said, I'll sign on the dotted line wherever you want me to, Tom. I'm ready to go. Won a Super Bowl. Only happened about three weeks ago. And Russell Wilson had to see all of that. He had to see all of that happen and take place around him. He's like, wait a second, guys. Why, why am I not gaining less than two? What's going on? We've been running Pete Carroll's offense for the last offense and defense the last seven years. We have been nowhere close to a Super Bowl. Nowhere close. Despite our record, despite our, our, our teams, nowhere close to a Super Bowl. And we still aren't anywhere close to a Super Bowl. We may be the third or fourth team in our division. Granted, it's the NFC West, best division in all of football. But granted, yeah, I mean, I mean, what did they do? Did, did they lead the division this year? Yeah, they did. They were the leaders in their division. And then it's like next year, they may not. They may not. I mean, Seattle is in trouble. Seattle is in trouble. Trouble, ladies. And then you got the mayor of New Orleans calling. I mean, she's she's on Twitter. She's, do, she's doing her thing on Twitter. She's a going. She's spinning an umbrella. She's playing level up. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. She's spinning that umbrella. She's playing level up by Sierra. Level up. She wants to get Russell Wilson. And to get Russell Wilson, she knows the pathway to Russ is through his damn wife. Not damn wife. Awesome wife. Awesome wife. It's through his wife. You know what I mean when I said damn wife. Through his wife. Because she's, she controls the household. Oh my God. 
absolutely fantastic job absolute by the by the mayor of the New Orleans I was about to say of the New Orleans Saints but it's just of New Orleans absolutely fantastic just stirring the pot too just creating problems and such I love it I love it I mean it just makes my job so much easier I got on I got on the tube I got on I said hey oh my goodness this is a good like 10 to 20 minutes of just content right here I don't even have to do anything. I just wake up, look on Twitter. I see that the, the, the New Orleans mayor put, put something up. And then it's just, once again, it re, and let me tell you something. I would not be surprised if I saw the Chicago Bears and the in the mayor of New York, whoever that is. I don't know who it is. They, they changed hands so damn much. I don't know who the hell it is. Wouldn't be surprised if somebody put out a, a statement saying, hey, like I want to. I want to, I, I like, 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 we want Russell Wilson. Not be surprised at all. Times are a changing. Some for the better, some for the worse. But times are changing, ladies and gentlemen. You can't go around. Pissing off your star quarterback, you got to listen to him. It's now a partnership. It's now a deal. It's now a relationship. It's not a dictatorship. You got to listen to your quarterback or face their wrath. I didn't expect this at all. Did you expect this? Can I be honest? I didn't expect this. I didn't expect this because I thought that teams would, you know, wouldn't piss off their damn quarterbacks. Again, like maybe it's I'm like I I did not expect this at all. I'm like, you would think most important position in all of pro sports, best best player, most important player. I mean, I didn't expect this. I just I mean, teams are gonna suffer. Teams are gonna win. Teams are going to lose. Teams are going to be able to adapt and change. Teams are going to be stuck in the mud. And then on top of that, <clears throat> it makes your team look bad. It makes Seattle's team look bad. Look worse than it actually is. And remember what happened. Remember what happened early on this offseason with Seattle and their GM? Their GM got an extension. They're going to be the GM. He's going to be the GN, Dan Snyder, I think until the late 2020s, like 2020. I think he got a seven-year extension, if, I, if I'm not wrong. He's going to be the GM for the Seattle Seahawks. Right now, his contract hasn't been the GM for the next 10-plus years. Probably surpassing Pete Carroll's time with Seattle. When you think about it, right? He's going to be the GM of Seattle for almost 20 years. One Super Bowl. Two appearances. Disaster after. I mean, you could you could seriously make an argument that Pete Carroll should have been fired after that game. That Super Bowl. Worst play call. History of the sport. You could literally make an argument. And now it's like... Depending on how this situation happens with Rush, he... May be able to make that same argument. We'll see. 
Level up, ladies and gentlemen. Level up. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Great start. What else do I have about Seattle? Oh, no. That's just... I have the Adam Schefter tweet talking about how he wants to go to the Saints, the Raiders, the Bears, or the Cowboys. Once again, wouldn't be surprised if the respective mayors of those cities came out and was like, we want Russell Wilson. I think the obvious question as a Cowboys fan would be this. It's like 24. Would you want Russell Wilson in a big blockbuster deal? Hell no, I wouldn't want Russell Wilson. Are you kidding me? Dak Prescott's almost as good as Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Wilson's better, obviously. But I mean, like, it's it's not Deshaun Watson versus Dak where, where it's definitely close. But it's like, you know, I, I mean, talk about like, like, again, you're, you're still, you're, goodness gracious, you're kicking yourself in your own testicles here. I mean, like, what's going on here? Like, can we, can we use our brains here? You're probably going to have to give up four to five first-round draft picks to get Russell Wilson. Excuse me, not four to five. Four to five first-round draft picks. Not just draft picks. Not just random ones. First-rounders. It's like, what are, like, what are we doing? All to just sign a quarterback that you could potentially sign that's as good, if not better, than Russ? Or at least, at the very least, could be as good, if not better, than Russell Wilson? Shoot. <laughs> I wish I might. <laughs> The movie ended. I'm putting in Promare. Hold on. Give me like two seconds. I got to put in Promare. Yep. You may ask me. 24. That was Promare. It's in a steelbook case. Don't worry about it. You may ask me. 24. Do you honestly have to watch a movie as you're podcasting? Yes, I got to look at something. I mean, goodness gracious, it's not like a naked supermodel is in my room. I gotta, like, my eyes have to be drawn to something here. And it's like, am I supposed to just stare at a wall while I'm podcasting? No, of course not. My eyes have to be drawn to something. It's like, why not have it be an an animated movie? Like, imagine just staring blankly into something. It's like, goodness gracious, I mean, I... Like, it doesn't have to be anything super specific. It just has to be interesting. And animation draws my interest. Just like how hot supermodels that just so happen to be naked does. I mean, like, come on. A lot of different sh- like Like, good food draws my interest. Like, I'm, I'm a very simplistic man. Okay? And it's gracious. Mm. I just, like, destroyed my vocal cords in, like, 27 minutes. My throat is, like, already gone. <clears throat> it's, like, sore. So, <clears throat> what I want Russell to Dallas know I wouldn't. Dak is almost as good, if not better. I think Russell Wilson is better. But, um, yeah, just the, the comps that you would have to give up, the compensation that you would have to give up, the picks that you would have to give up, all that jazz is just, like, I mean, it just does not make it worth it to me at all. Speaking of things that aren't worth it at all, let's talk about Deshaun Watson for a couple of minutes. Haven't really talked about him really um, for days because it's like, you know, it's just rehashing the old information once again. And it's like, I could care less. (laughs) 
I could care less about the majority of the information. Let me type in something really, really quickly. Ba, 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 ba. Does he, at the very least, quote some of these articles? Please, not articles, but any, excuse me, anything from these articles, or do I, do I get blocked? Weirdly enough, I'm not blocked if I use his actual link. Will you allow me to scroll down? Yes. Then I get blocked. Okay, I was reading, I was trying to read this, um, this date, not this David Culley, this John McClain, excuse me, tweet. Um, the Houston Chronicles, <clears throat> the Houston Chronicles, for some weird reason, they are a subscription-based newspaper, and I feel like they're like a, they're, they're way too small to be subscription-based. Like, I don't mind getting ads as long as they're not, like, super interfering, but I hate getting, but, like, if you told me, like, subscriptions or ads, I'll, I'll take ads so that way I don't have to directly pay for something, right? But I also want the ads to not absolutely fucking destroy, you know, the, um, the fucking, the fucking webpage where it's like the webpage literally is broken because of how many ads there are on it. But at the same token, I want to actually access the information in John McClain and the Houston Texans or the Houston Chronicles. They don't allow, uh, non-subscribers <clears throat> to have access to their newspaper, which sucks. However, um, Deshaun Watson, back to Deshaun, and I'll get on John McClain here in a second. Deshaun Watson, apparently about a week ago, a little bit over a week ago, actually, on Friday of last week, had met with David Culley, the Houston Texans head coach. Probably just out of respect to say, hey, you know, uh, you, you weren't here when this BS happened. I'll, I'll kind of be professional here. And he met with him to essentially reiterate, hey, um, I'm not coming back. I'm willing to sit this thing down. And so the Houston Texans, David Culley, he's like, all right. And remember what happened. I think I played a little bit of the David Culley introductory press conference. I was like, like he, he talked about how he's like, I'm here because Deshaun Watson is a Houston Texan. And I was like, then you are here for the wrong reasons. Because he ain't a Texan, man. He's gone. I don't know where Deshaun's going to play. He's gone. The Houston Texans keep on playing this game. And make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't the Houston Texans that had leaked that, that had leaked that Deshaun had met with David Culley and said, I don't want to be a Houston Texan. It was Deshaun who had leaked that, leaked that. And the more fucking leaks that happen, the less his price goes up the like he's still gonna garner a lot of picks man but it's gonna be like it's like it's gonna be such a it's like I don't think Houston can handle this deal and it's like now their biggest their biggest I don't want to say acquisition but their biggest job right now is to get rid of Deshaun and get like fair compensation back from him whichever team is gonna trade for him and right now they're just butchering it Especially because Deshaun Watson just keeps on leaking everything. <laughs> just keeps on leaking everything. He's just like, yeah, I don't care. I'm like, I want out. And again, it's like, like Deshaun Watson is a good guy, but he's like, bro, I want to win Super Bowls. Like, I remember Charles Barkley, he made this dumbass false equivalency. And he's like, you know, well, Michael Jordan didn't win uh, for like 10 years straight. 
and he didn't leave the Chicago Bulls. And it's like, yeah, he kind of should have. Could you imagine if Michael Jordan had gone to the Lakers? Oh, my God. How disgusting with that. Michael Jordan, God rest his soul, would have probably have played with Kobe fucking Bryant. Can you imagine if Michael Jordan was like, bro, I want to leave the Bulls? Like that, you literally could have had one of the greatest sports dynasties of all time. Oh my God, if Michael Jordan had gone to the Lakers, if he's like, fine, you guys don't, you guys, you guys aren't going to give me the players that I want or the coaches that I want, or you guys aren't going to put us in best, in the best position to win, or I can't win in this conference, bro, I'll just go, I'll go to the Lakers with Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and we'll just win it like, like for a decade plus. It's like, it's hard winning a championship. I love, and by the way, I love how like Charles Barkley is like, you know what, uh, like, like Michael Jordan didn't, uh, Michael Jordan didn't leave the conference. It's like, well, well, not, well, 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 it's like, dude, like you can't talk about players winning championships when you haven't won championships. It's like, it's weird how often he has like the biggest opinions in all the old heads. They're like, yep, listen to Charles. He knows what he's doing. It's like, yeah, he knows how not to win championships. Why would anyone listen to Charles Barkley when he has not won a championship ever? Anything that he says is just dumb. Like, literally dumb. It's just like, he, he, he doesn't know how to win a championship. Like, as bad as it sounds, he just, or as rude as it sounds, it's like, it's very true. It's like, dude, like, if the objective is to win a championship, then don't do exactly what Charles Barkley did because he didn't win a championship. But, whenever I think of these guys moving on to different conferences and going to different teams and trying to win football games and championships, it's like, like, like what do you expect? Like, guys want to fucking win. Guys want to win. They don't want to like. They don't want to be like. I, I want to stay with this team because they drafted me. It's like, bro. Like I would have been drafted anyways. I'm Deshaun Watson. I should have been drafted in front of Mitchell Trubisky. The Bears regret it. Like, it doesn't do you any good if your ex football team, if your, you know, not ex football team, ex football player, to stay with one bad organization. Like, look at what happened to Detroit. Like Megatron retired saying they aren't they aren't here to win. They aren't about winning here in Detroit. The same thing goes with Barry Sanders. He said they're not here to win. So you know what they did? They packed up their shit, they made a bunch of money, and they said, We're out. We're we're peaced out, bro. They don't want to win. So why and they and they both almost spent ten years with their respective org with the Detroit Lions. They both spent like ten years individually. They're like, bro, they don't want to win, so we're not gonna play. But now it's like players can be like, oh, this team doesn't want to win. We're moving on to a different team instead of fucking retiring. So John McClain writes an article uh, that I don't have access to because it's in the Houston Chronicles detailing that the Houston Chronicles or the Houston Texans need to trade Deshaun Watson. A little bit of uh, context about John McClain. He is very pro Houston Texan. He's, he's an insider with the Houston Texans. He doesn't really, it seems like he doesn't really have that great of player relationships and things of that nature. Um, he quotes the Houston Texans a lot. His sources are probably Houston Texans. I got a burp. Excuse me. His sources are probably Houston Texans executives and officials, maybe assistants, assistant coaches and things of that nature, not necessarily players. It's not like he's texting J.J. Watt and being like, hey, uh, J.J., what do you think about this? It's not like that's happening. <clears throat> However, um, John McClain has been like the biggest proponent of like they're not trading Watson, they're not trading Watson, they're not trading Watson for like months. 
to the point where I've just like completely forgotten about like like him, you know. And then it's like he comes out today and he's like, "Yeah, uh, they need to trade Deshaun Watson." Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Watching Promare. Best scene that happens, one of the best scenes, one of the coolest scenes, is the beginning. Where you get a tour of the city. And um, the opening song is playing. And it's just blaring and blaring. And then it's the, here we go, I know, I know. I, I have the song on my computer. I don't know why I'm playing it. I'm not, why I'm not playing it. And then all of the heroes, they're waking up. They're like, they're, they're, in, they're in the firehouse. They're like, oh, man, we got to put out the fucking fire. Oh, my God. Promare is such an awesome movie. It's so stylized. The animation is so weird. It looks so weird. As opposed to, like, the majority of animation. But it's so awesome. And then they fucking hit the trails. They hit the streets. Oh, man. Promare. One of my favorite movies ever. Ever. theme song is awesome it's banging hold on why don't i just play it I'm like why don't i just stop being lazy hold on pause the pause, pause the movie goodness gracious i want to i want to like i want to like listen or watch the movie and listen to the soundtrack this is like pro mayor is like one of the best animated movies ever ever Hold on. Frank's sake. Hold on. I gotta, like, <clears throat> find it here. I go to, like, iTunes. Where is it? Boom. It's Inferno, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it is, right? Is it about to be loud? Wait, wait, wait. Where is it? Goodness gracious. Hold on. Here it is. Let me, like, turn it down. Let me turn it down here. This is like the chorus that I'm listening to. This is what's blaring once, like the movie takes you in the in, in, in like in like the main city. It's awesome. Right, fucking awesome song, awesome dopalicious song, right? done listening to Promare. I could listen to Promare all day. All day. Screen all day. Oh my god. Promare is such an awesome movie. So anyways, um, Deshaun Watson wants to be traded. That's not a surprise. John McClain is on board. Um, will he get traded? I don't know. They got like another month or two to trade him before the draft essentially is when you got to trade him. You'd love to trade him before free agency. Because then it's just like, you know, like you put teams on the – you put some pressure on the team, on the teams that are trading for him. But um, it looks like David – not David Culley. What's his name? Casario Culley. You know what I would find interesting? If David Culley was like, yeah, um, he's a Houston Texan even though he told me that he's not. That would be interesting, right? If like somebody who was interviewing David Culley was like, yeah, like, you know, like what do you think of Deshaun Watson coming out t telling you – that uh, he's not a Houston Texan and that he's not going to be a part of the Houston Texans. That would be a really, really interesting response. It would also be interesting to ask Kyle McNair and also Nick Casario that exact same question and be like, what do you think of David Culley and Deshaun meeting and Deshaun telling David Culley that he's not a Houston Texan? 
That'd be an interesting question and response. <clears throat> but right now, I don't really know. Like, I don't really know if they're going to trade him or not. Apparently, they're pretty hard, fast, and hard set on... You know, you know what the Houston Texans remind me of? They remind me of, like, a girl who's trying to get pregnant to keep, like, the dude in her life, you know? Like, that's kind of, like, that's kind of what the Houston Texans remind me of. And Deshaun is kind of like that trapped guy who's, like, being locked in a basement and he be and is being, like, held against his will. And she, like, goes into the cellar that Deshaun is in every single night and, like, rapes him trying to get impregnated. Like, that's what this scene reminds me of. Like, some girl trying to rape a guy in a cellar, trying to get pregnant, trying to keep him around, even though that literally won't work because as soon as he's free, he's running away because that bitch is crazy. He's like, I got to get out of here. I'm getting raped by this girl, man. Jesus Christ. It's like, you know, it's, you know, like, it's not being raped by a guy, but it's rape being girl by, by a girl. It's like, like, Jesus Christ. You know, it's terrible, but it's not as terrible. But, I mean, that's the, the situation, that's the predicament that Deshaun Watson is currently facing. He is in a cellar somewhere waiting for somebody to knock on the door to hear his screams of his owls. He's like, goodness gracious, get me out of here. Will he get out of the cellar this year? I, I don't know. Houston is just stupid enough to act like they can actually hold on to Deshaun and Deshaun is very very um steadfast on not leaving the Houston Texans it's weird how like I will say this as somebody who saw them just like do the dumbest shit ever like in the last couple of years this is definitely like their smartest ever in the sense of like them just like not refusing excuse me them refusing to not give up Deshaun Watson they're just like, yeah, we're not going to do it. We're not going to trade him. He's our best player on offense. He's our best player now. We released JJ. It's like, what would he, we have? It's like super duper smart. And it's like literally this decision is offset by, well, uh, we're going to trade away DeAndre Hopkins and JJ Watt won't want to play for us and things of that nature. By the way, it's been two weeks, I think, since he's been released, JJ Watt. No idea where he's going. I think it's like the Bills, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Green Bay Packers are all in play. I just just going to ask that question. Uh, why is Tampa Bay not in play? I got to ask it. Got to ask it. But yeah, um, JJ, he, want, he, he not traded. I mean, he got released. Deshaun, Jesus Christ, would love to be released. But will the Houston Texans, will they do it? Will they allow it? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> it's going to be an interesting, like, next couple of weeks, man. Free agency is going to happen in, like, two weeks. Then you're going to have the draft in about two months. Really? Two months, literally, from, like, tomorrow, I think? Or two days from now. I think it's going to happen on, like, the 29th of April gonna have the draft you're gonna have a bunch of pro days in march on top of free agency a lot of big football stuff is supposed to happen 
lot of big football stuff is supposed to happen. I've been so desperate for, like, combine stuff. I kid you not. I'm literally, like, how many screens do I have to watch? Like, I'm literally, like, Pro Mare is on. Like, do I have a problem? I'm a millennial. I think I do. It's like, literally, I'm watching Pro Mare on one screen, and then on my second monitor, I have, like, I, on my TV, I have Pro Mare playing. On, I have, like, three screens that I'm watching. I'm watch. I have a second monitor. I have my laptop. I have my fucking TV that's playing Promare. And on my second monitor, I'm watching Derek Brown at the Combine right now. Obviously, Derek Brown, former Auburn Tiger, current Carolina Panther. This is like last year's Combine stuff. I'm watching that because it's like there's just, there's no Combine war. I should be watching the Combine I should have been watching the comment for the last couple of days. We should have had like one five hour long podcast. And it's just, there's just, I mean, it, it, uh, 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 there's nothing. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Just like watch reruns of the top 10 greatest games of the year. It's like, no, I don't want to watch that. And it's gracious. It sucks. I don't get to watch any combine. I don't get to watch any football. I don't get to watch any interesting football. I don't get to watch, like, only college basketball is on. I could give a crap about college basketball. I'm not a college basketball type of guy. It's like, I just, I want something. Like, I got to watch people's pro days. I got to watch a lot of pro days next month. I don't want to watch people's pro days. I don't even know how the format of pro days is going to happen, man. It's like, it's going to be, I don't, like, I used to just not watch people's pro days and just watch the combine, and then it's like, like, that, like that's just it. I watched, like, three days of the combine, and that's it. That's all I needed. But now I got to watch people's pro days, man. I don't want to watch pro days. I don't want to do that. Rather just watch. Rather just watch combine. <clears throat> Anyways, as I sit here, technically stand, I'm standing. I can minimize or get out of some of these tabs here. Need that tab up. So, kind of as I was talking about Russell Wilson and the breaks that were happening, the reports that were coming out about Russell Wilson wanting out of Seattle. I got this, this alert about something that's not really being talked about. Not really being talked about here. But it probably should be. It is, ladies and gentlemen, a report. Disney NFL reach agreement on new media rights deal. It is exactly what I've been talking about specifically for the last couple of days. And I mean, I got to just pat myself on the back here once again, because once again, man, I just put things out and it's like, wow, I can't believe that it literally happened in a timely manner. Didn't even have to wait weeks or months to set it up. Like, literally just days. 
Disney and NFL reached an agreement for a media rights deal. The reason why this is so important, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly why I was talking about it like a couple of days ago. Specifically with Dak's contract. I was talking about how these new media deals are going to pump in money back into the NFL. They're going to raise up the salary cap here. Do you want to know why? Because these new deals are going to give these teams more money. Because hundreds of millions of dollars are going to be imbued within the league once again because of the renegotiations of the deals, right? There's going to be more money. There's going to be a bidding war potentially very soon. With Amazon potentially getting Thursday night football exclusively. I think it's going to be simulcast on the NFL Network. But I think Amazon is in like that bidding war for Thursday night football because I think they have their own broadcast and maybe maybe it's their own broadcast crew that cast the game. But I mean, Fox doesn't want it when CBS had it. Oh my God, Thursday night football was so fucking terrible when CBS had it. But Fox had it. They don't want it anymore. They're like, we don't get any money for, we don't get any additional money for casting Thursday night football. But the NFL is like, yeah, like, like we got to fucking cast it. But now the NFL is like, hmm, Gotta like, gotta get Thursday night football back. Gotta get it back on. So now Fox apparently doesn't want it. CBS wants it, or doesn't want it. NBC probably doesn't want it. Amazon wants it. Go let them have it. But out of this deal, out of this deal, ladies and gentlemen, with Disney. The Super Bowl will be back on ABC. Which, if you're a fan of my podcast, you know how much I hate the ESPN, the ABC broadcast. I think it's like the worst broadcast ever. The producers, the graphics department, I don't know what they're doing. They got to get their heads together. They're not very good. But ESPN, I talked about like, you know, the money-making aspects of the Super Bowl and all that good stuff. And it's like, listen, man, I didn't realize this. Super Bowl wasn't on um, on ABC or ESPN since like 2006. That's the last time it was on ESPN. And now it's coming back. And apparently the NFL, what they wanted was $3.5 billion. That was probably their starting point. They knew that they weren't going to get it. But what they also got, but you know, I mean, they, they kind of met in the middle. Disney probably wanted less than like $2 billion. NFL obviously wanted more. And this isn't for 10 years. This is over 10 years. This is annually, right? They wanted $3.5 billion annually, the NFL. Disney's like, bro, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. So Disney's like, bro, we'll, we'll beat in the middle. We'll say $2.4 to $2.6 billion annually. We'll just take the median. We'll say 2.5. 2.5. So when it comes to the media, not even the media, but when it comes to this deal, why is this deal so important? Well, potentially it could put cap money, cap space. It could free up cap space in this year's salary cap, which has been restricted because of the loss of revenue, because of, you know, among other things, the COVID-19 pandemic. Loss of revenue because of attendance. 
probably ratings. I mean, the Super Bowl wasn't, I think it was one of the least watched Super Bowls. How does that happen? Maybe it's because of the weekend headline. Weekend. Eesh. Shakira, Shakira. I was like, I would love to have Shakira back. I'd love to have J-Lo back. I said it last year. I'm like, I don't know why the NFL just doesn't have an encore performance. I would love it. I don't know if any artist has ever gone back and played at the Super Bowl, but I mean, why not do it? I mean, like how like like you couldn't get Post Malone? Didn't Post Malone like have a have a Pokemon concert today? You couldn't get Post Malone, but Pokemon could? Pokemon could get Post Malone. You better pay Post Malone whatever he wants. I've been popping pills and men and feeling like I'm feeling like a rock star. Hey, hey, I don't know what he says. I'm obviously not a very good singer. Or no, 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 no. It's today. Or was it tomorrow? Let me just find out where po- what post he's up to. Post. Malone. Pokemon. It was today, right? It was the 27th. Yeah, it was today. The song is... He had a 13-minute concert in an... And one of the songs that he has is Only Want to Be With You, Pokemon 25, 25 uh, version. Pokemon got posty, but the NFL can't? Pull your money out your damn pockets and pay for some doggone entertainers here. Let's go. Goodness gracious. I want to see Post Malone at the NFL Super Bowl, and I, I want him to sing White Iverson. I want him to sing. I want to sing. I mean, like, what are we doing? It's Post Malone. Let him drink beer on the stands, in the stage. Everybody does anyways. Hold on, here here it is. Here it fucking is. Post Malone? Really? And it's like an actual concert. Here it is. Sorry about that. But it's like, I, I, I mean, like, come on, man. You got, you got to be tripping. You got to be tripping. Can we get some real entertainers? Hey, call up Jay-Z. Ask him, Jay-Z, why the fuck can't we get Post Malone? And it's a live performance, too. It's not like pre-recorded. It's like he's actually performing. Jesus Christ. Anyways, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I don't even, like, this isn't a bit. I I literally am frustrated that they literally can't get any, like, like Post Malone. Who else is like, like Billie Eilish? Why, what, hey, hey, tell Jay-Z, get off his ass, figure out a way to get Billie Eilish. Goodness gracious. Why couldn't we get Kendrick Lamar? Hello? Hello? Goodness gracious. I hate it. I hate it all. I mean, like, it was like Maroon 5 and Travis Scott and, oh my God, it was terrible. 
It was god-awful. And then they ruined the whole Spongebob bit. They were so god-awful. And then it's like fucking Pokemon. Fucking Pokemon nails it with Post Malone. I mean, there's Pokemon everywhere in the fields. He's singing at night. He's traveling in different dimensions to different worlds, to different universes. They've got the green Pokemon that looks like Bulbasaur's. Uh, that looks like Venusaur's ultimate form. I forgot what it's called. It's from Diamond and Pearl. I can't remember what it's called. The Pokemon are vibing out. The Pokemon are vibing out to Post Malone. The NFL can't get Post Malone. Does that make sense? How does how do they even call up Pokemon? Not Pokemon. Post Malone and it's like, hey, Post Malone. You know, like um, you know, do you want to perform? You know, at, at Pokemon's twenty five anniversary. I mean, I'm just like, like, how, how does Pokemon do that? Ugh. Ugh. I'm happy for Post. But I'm, I, I just don't get it. <clears throat> I just don't get it. Ugh. What I got on deck? I got a lot of stuff on deck. I'm not done yet. I'm just getting started. I'm in, I, again, ladies and gentlemen, we're shifting in a turbo. We're going full speed, all gas, no brakes, ladies and gentlemen. I got, I was looking at um some free agents for the Patriots, right? Because I was like, you know what, I like, you know, I, I got to start representing. I got to start representing my Patriots because that's that's my team now. I feel like I'm a I'm, I'm representing way too much. The Dallas Cow- I got to represent the Patriots now. Got to represent the Patriots. You know, I'm a Pats boy. I'm not from Boston. But I rep that team that's from there. So, you know, I was thinking about <clears throat> free agents from for the Patriots. I was like, okay, how can I, like, like, how can the Patriots become better? Like, you know, because, it, you know, it's, it's the Patriots. I want them to succeed. And so, I, well, one of the, the ways that they're, you know, that they were terrible this year and uh, one of the weaknesses that they had when Tom Brady was there in his final year was that they just don't have any weapons. So I thought to myself, I was like, okay, well, how many awe- how many weapons are available this year? Not just because of salary cap, but maybe teams are looking to move off of some old veterans, looking to maybe get some money new. Like, who exactly can the Patriots target this offseason, especially, to get another weapon? For whoever their quarterback is, whether it, I hope it's not Cam, but hopefully it's Mac Jones. But who is the target? Who's a guy that they can get that can help them out wide receiver wise in this year's offseason? And we kind of, you know, we kind of look at the draft and we, let's kind of work ourselves backwards here. Let me show you guys something here. Go on the Mock Draft Network. Damn it, the Draft Network, not the Mock Draft Network. The Draft Network. We'll go on the Draft Network. Let me show you guys something. Let me show you something here. 
because it takes forever to load my web page. Why is it taking forever to load my web page? Load my web page. Can I not start a mock draft on the draft network? I can't start. They're not giving me the simulator, so I'll just go on Pro Football Network. I got mock draft simulators for days. You don't think I will? Trust me. I will. I might. I might. We'll do six rounds, and we'll probably stop at the fourth or the fifth because I just can't stand it. Let me show you guys something, right? Patriots don't even need to trade down that much. I'll show you something. I'll get the situation that I want, and then we'll keep it pushing. We will keep it pushing. So I'm drafting 15th overall. <laughs> I'm drafting 15th overall. The Bills, they want to trade with me. I didn't get any other trade deals. I get the Bills first, their second, and their third. I got to give up my third, but that's okay. I'll take it. I'll draft Mac Jones in the first round. Watch me. Watch me. If I don't get Mac Jones, I'm quitting. But I probably will. I'll get Mac Jones. And then in the second round, I'll probably get another offensive weapon. And then in the third round, I'll get another one. And then in the fourth round, I'll get another one. Until I, I mean, I, they, they, damn it, they picked Mac Jones. I'm refreshing. It was the Saints. The Saints picked Mac Jones. I'm refreshing. All right, I can't trade with the Bills. I'm not going 30th overall. I'm not going... I'm not going to the 30th pick. I'm just going to just gonna trade down. I want Mac Jones. Like, the only way this works is if I get Mac Jones. That's, that's literally it. The Raiders want to trade their 17th overall selection. They want, a set, they want a third rounder. What? Dallas wants to give up their entire haul for, like, to trade back into the first round. I'm I'm gonna like that's a terrible trade for Dallas first and foremost. But then it's like they want to give up they want to give up literally all of their all of their draft picks their second their third and another third and then another second and then another third just to get back into the first round. I'm like that's way too much. You're spending way too much. I'm gonna take the Raiders pick. I want Mac Jones. I will go back again. I want Mac Jones. All right. <clears throat> I got some I got some pretty fair compensation for also trading back into the draft like twice. The Dolphins they wanted to trade up. I gave them my spot. I want Mac Jones. That's the whole objective of this draft. Right? Cuz as a Patriot you need a quarterback. You need a quarterback. Mac Jones is my second best quarterback in the draft. No way Trevor Lawrence is falling to the second, or not to the second, but to the 15th overall pick. More importantly than that, I don't think you need to wait. Or not wait, but I don't think, like, I like I think Mac Jones is, is pretty good, and I think you'll be able to get him if you're the Patriots. If you want him, they, like, everybody has them mocking Micah Parsons to the Patriots. I, I want Mac Jones. I want Mac Jones. Then it's like I'm getting way too many trade offers. I'm getting like a pick. I'm getting a trade offer from the Browns. There's way too many trades going on. Who's an offensive player that I can get? Terrence Marshall Jr. at 45. 
the Browns want to trade. I want Terrace Marshall Jr., wide receiver out of LSU. He's essentially going to be my new number one. And then in the second round, maybe not maybe not in the second round, maybe in the third round I could potentially get another another running back maybe. Javante Williams is still available. Don't I have another second? I didn't ha- I didn't trade for another second. And they took him. Michael Carter is still available. He's my third best uh, running back. Where are all of my picks that I got? I thought I like traded back like twice. And it's like I got no picks. And then it's like Michael Carter g- gets gone as well. The Rams, they want two draft picks. I don't, I don't want the Rams draft picks. I want Amari Rodgers. As I struggle to press on Amari Rodgers. So essentially, we're at two wide receivers and a quarterback. Ding, 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 ding. Getting all the picks that you want, ladies and gentlemen. If you, and, I may, and I may just swing again. I may just go for Elijah Moore. Why not? Why not? Hell, I mean, hell, they're going to give me Elijah Moore. Let's take Elijah Moore. Bang. You got all you got all your wide receivers now. You got a slot guy. You got two two outside um two outside wide receivers. Really, I think one of them, I think Elijah Moore can line up on the inside and in the backfield. They used him for so many different things down at Ole Miss. And it's like I like there are so many good weapons if you're the Patriots. Inside the three rounds, the first three rounds. And, and then it's like, look, look at this. Look at this. Trey Sermon fell to you in the fourth round. Yes, sir. I'll take him. I'll take him. Thank you very much. And this can, and we can play this game into perpetuity. I'm not going to hold you for that long. I'm just going to cut it. Cut it. I'm going to peace out. And it's like, I got a burp. Excuse me. And it's like, we can play that game all night long. We can play, you know, who's who on the list of awesome wideouts and running backs that the Patriots can get within, you know, four to five, six rounds. Right? But I was like, I got to stop at some point. Too easy. Made it too easy for me. So, as we sit here, you know, it being almost one o'clock in the morning. Me shouting. We kind of, you know, have a little bit of a better picture of the situation that you can do or have within the draft with the New England Patriots. I mean, maybe you need, what, like a defensive end? Or a D-tackle if you're the Patriots? I'm not sure. But it's like, to me, it's like you need a wide, you need multiple wide receivers because all the guys that you have on that team are terrible besides Edelman but Edelman is old and he's hurt so it's like as much as I love Edelman as much as I think that he's a hall of famer I mean he could be getting I mean he's they're talking about his knee being um so so banged up that I mean I don't know if he's going to be ready to go at the uh at the beginning of the season my opinion I think he should kind of call it a career and just be like take his four Super Bowl victories and be like yeah I'm one of the best wide receivers of all time I'm a Hall of Famer. I'll campaign for him being in the Hall of Fame because he is a Hall of Famer. However, um, as it pertains to the Patriots, they need they need more weapons. That's obvious. 
and they need a quarterback. And we addressed the weapons and the quarterback in the draft, but let me give you some more weapons, right? If you want that veteran presence. You're going to go through a soft rebuild, but I think the majority of the wide receivers in, in the NFL, they have a better transition now to the NFL than, you know, five or six years ago. So I wrote down some lists of free agents for the New England Patriots. There is, you know, for them to target, obviously. There's Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton, Adam Humphreys, John Ross, and like Juju Smith-Schuster, among a plethora of others. And I was like, I'd be pretty happy if you got one of those and you added them to a rotation, right? Essentially meaning... You're not going to have a true number one. Maybe maybe if you get Terrence Marshall Jr. in the second, but you're not really going to have a true number one. It's going to be, you're going to have multiple different wide receivers that are going to create a, um, a wide receiving core. You know, which is essentially what, to be honest with you, the New England Patriots want to do. They don't want to have one guy. They want to have multiple different guys. It's like you're going to have multiple different guys as the Patriots. So, I mean, you know, just some food for thought. I really like T.Y. Hilton. If the Colts don't re-sign him, then, oh, my God, yes, they should. The Patriots. Like, regardless of whatever the salary cap is, I think they're going to have $40 million in available cap space. They're going to be perfectly fine, ladies and gentlemen. It's like, you can get T.Y. if you want him. You can sign him for, like, a one, maybe two-year deal. I don't know. I don't know. Or you can get Allen Robinson for something very, very similar. One, two-year deal and be like, we don't necessarily know the, the cap space. We may reneg you. We may re-up you. We'll see. We shall see. A lot of different options for the Patriots. But those are just some. Those are just some options that I was like, you know, like if the Patriots wanted to go out and get, you know, a top-notch wide receiver, there's some in the draft. There's also some in free agency that they can get. That um that I think are you know pretty pretty dope. Kind of see what happens. We shall see. <clears throat> I'm like I'm wearing a blanket as a cloak right now. I got a lot of stuff going on in my room. A lot of fans. I'm starting to get to you know that point of tiredness, but I'm still ready to go. I talked about it like about a month ago where I was like, I have bigger fish to fry. I have bigger and more important things to talk about sometimes. Like some things I'm just like, some things I kind of just like should let go, you know, because it's like I got more important things to talk about. And other times I just, um, I don't. And I'm like, I, I got to talk about some of this stuff. I just like, ex I'm, I'm minimizing so many tabs right now because I'm like, this is useless. This is useless. This is dumb. I don't want to talk about it. Blah, 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 blah. And that's what I'm just doing. I'm just like cleaning up my uh, my freaking my freaking tabs right now because I'm like I don't really want to talk about some of this stuff. Kind of bores me. What else do I got? I made a list. I don't know what I was gonna do. Real talk. I was going to have this like diatribe of like um what was it 
of like winning percentages and like average winning percentages in the NFL for like first round draft picks and things of that nature. I did a lot of work on it, by the way. And it's like, you know, I was going to lead it up. The lead up was essentially going to be like me talking about Dak and like how his winning percentage is significantly above average for a first round draft pick in the last five years, which it is. Uh, his winning percentage is, I think, 60%. What was it? 60.86%. He's won 42 games and lost 27. Versus the average winning percentage for a first-round draft pick over the last five years. It amounts to, like, 18 guys, by the way. Average winning percentage is 44.56%. So, obviously, a losing record, a losing average, right? I was kind of going to talk about it, and I thought some of the data was kind of interesting, like how the majority of quarterbacks don't necessarily have winning records in the first round and how terrible it is kind of to, to draft a first-round draft pick. You know what I, I can kind of do? Let me talk about first-round draft picks at quarterback. So, as of right now, and kind of records, right? Because <clears throat> how I was going to like – how I was going to kind of point out was that winning records with quarterbacks doesn't really matter that much, or it doesn't matter as much as people want it to want to make it out to be. Cause it's like, for example, what's the Sean's winning percentage? Deshaun's winning percentage is 52.83%. He's eight and eight. He's average at winning football games. Um, Carson, not Carson. Mitchell Trubisky actually has a pretty decent winning percentage, 58 point, not 58 point anything, just 58%. That, ladies and gentlemen, is like eight or nine, not eight or nine, it's like nine, almost 10 games, really. Who else has like a shockingly weird winning, like Joe Burrow has a 20% win percentage. Baker Mayfield has a 51.11% um, win rate. You have guys like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson that, both are like over 80%, which is like Tom Brady, essentially, or maybe even a little bit higher than Tom Brady. Give that a couple of years. It'll probably go down to like the seventies, maybe even dip a little bit more to like the sixties. But I mean, right now they've both won, I think over 12 games in a season, extremely rare, ladies and gentlemen. But like, yeah, even like Kyler Murray, for example, has won only 40.62% of his games. So it's like in the context of that, right? Like, winning winning games, it, it matters. It, like, it's a team statistic as much as people want to say. It's a quarterback. It's team statistic. It matters. It's hard to fucking do in a team-oriented sport. The most team-oriented sport, to be honest with you. But more importantly than that, um, you know, like, it, it's hard to win games, man. It just it just is man and i don't think that winning a bunch of games makes a quarterback infallible because mitchell trubisky has a better winning percentage than deshaun and losing games makes you just you know makes you like just the worst thing ever or the worst quarterback ever because once again mitchell trubisky has a better winning percentage than deshaun watson does he have more I, he does have more wins because they were drafted in the same draft What's the split? Deshaun is 28 of 25. 
Mitchell Trubisky is 29, 29 of 21. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, how does that work exactly? 28, 25. Oh, 29, 21. Watson missed out on some of these games. And, like, um, Trubisky started, like, midway through the season. I was like, how do they have similar games when Deshaun went out for, like, the majority of that season, that first season? And then I was like, oh, it's because Deshaun got hurt. They put in Trubisky late into the season. And then I think he – and then Trubisky got hurt, and then I think he got benched. Some of these guys' careers, man, early on, kind of weird. <clears throat> but, yeah, Trubisky. Well, better winning percentage than Deshaun, unfortunately. Did I do that right? I feel like I didn't do that right. Because that that sounds weird. Because that's a lot of percentage. 28-25. Let me look this up. Did I do that right? I always have to check my math because I'm bad with numbers. I have my calculator here, ironically enough, from high school. It's like a T-184. If you're a math nerd, you know, like, you know, how sophisticated that is. Yeah, Deshaun Watson has a 52.83 win percentage. I'm pretty sure I did this right. It's just the numbers look so damn weird. Oh, no, there's, they're right. I think they are. But again, it's just the numbers, they look so weird. Yeah, Trubisky's played in like three less games than Watson, but still, like, his winning percentage still is, yep, 58%. Yeah, I did it right. Just the numbers look weird. Because you wouldn't think, like, three games would make the difference. And, like, yeah, like, three games would, would make the difference. Huh. Oh, no, Watson has also lost more games. I'm like, okay, I'm like, where? I'm like, where? Because they have the, almost the same amount, exact amount of wins, but it's just Trubisky's played in, in less games, right? Yeah. And Deshaun has lost more. I'm like, where are these numbers coming from? Again, very, very – I said I was very bad at numbers. Like, it's not that big of a, of a deal or, or of a surprise that I'm, like, struggling with this. So, again, I don't think wins are the um, the end-all, be-all with quarterbacks. I think that it's kind of a lazy argument when it comes to quarterbacks. When people are like, oh, man, like, quarterbacks, you know, they – you know, like, uh, if, if they don't win, they're they're – they're not very good or whatever. And it's like, I think that that's kind of short-sighted and not necessarily addressing the majority of the important aspects of the quarterback position. And what are those important aspects of the quarterback position? I am so glad you asked me that because I've been sitting on this for like a week. I like went in my, I went to my desk. I sat in a corner. I played some music and for like 30 to 40 minutes, I plan and plot it out who exactly, or not who exactly, but what exactly makes up the key characteristics of a quarterback. How many did I get? I got 23. I got 23. And I starred the most important ones. I starred three, five, seven another i mean technically i bracketed some others and then i starred the bracket so it's like there's like three five seven 
10, 11, 15. 15 out of 23, I think, are super important. Now, how exactly did I come up with this list? Whenever you hear about quarterbacks, you hear about tangibles and intangible things. You hear about things that you can see and then things that you can kind of feel around and kind of know based upon things that you can't see, right? So, for example, um, leadership is one of the, the ones that I have, as well as accuracy and consistency, right? And accuracy and consistency, you can kind of see. You can just kind of read a stat sheet and be like, boom, okay. Like, that's, that's something that you can see. Leadership is something that you can't really see on the field. You can't necessarily see a leader on the field. Because the guy can play the quarterback position, but not really be a leader. There's a dichotomy to it. So here's my 23 aspects or characteristics of the quarterback position. Decision-making being the first one. Accuracy. Rapport with wide receivers. I got a burp. Excuse me. Pre-snap reads. Post-snap reads. Footwork. Throwing motion. Pocket presence. Velocity and distance. When it comes to throwing the football. Short distance passing. Intermediate distance passing. And deep balls. Consistency of play. Again, I mentioned it before. Reading coverages, mobility, athleticism. Let me star mobility. Mobility is actually important. Let me star it. Because I confused myself. I'll elaborate on some of these. Should I elaborate on all 23? We're going to be here for an hour. May as well get comfortable. Arm talent, arm strength. Touch, film and tape study, leadership, and preparation. Those are the 23 different core aspects that I have for the quarterback position. The reality is there's probably more and that I definitely could have added more. But as I kind of like sat down and I, as I kind of like thought of, thought of the aspects, I was like, these are the aspects that I thought of. These are the things that I think are super important. These are the things that I think make up the quarterback position for the most part. Let me kind of describe some of them. So the first one that I had, the first thing that shot up, and this was one of the things that I starred was decision-making, right? Because on the podcast, I always talk about how the quarterback position is all about smart and intelligent decision-making. And you can just like straight out the gate, straight out the jump, you can tell if a quarterback's good or bad just based upon his decision-making both on and off the field. Like Carson Wentz is the perfect example of a quarterback who has terrible decision-making where he will hold on to a football for dear life like it is a newborn baby, like it is a child that he is refusing to give up and he will just hold on and get sacked while holding it or try to throw it away as he's being tackled and just make some of the worst decisions I've ever seen in my entire life as a quarterback. And it's why he was one of the worst quarterbacks that I've ever seen. Another great quarterback, another great example of a quarterback who has terrible decision-making is Drew Locke. Terrible quarterback. Terrible quarterback. 
terrible decision-making both on and off the football field to the point where all of the quarterbacks had COVID and the NFL was like, we're still playing. You don't get a forfeit. And the Broncos had to like roll out a wide receiver at quarterback because they were like, we don't have any quarterbacks. All of them got COVID. And then on the flip side of that coin, great decision makers, in my opinion, are guys like Tom Brady and Dak Prescott. Sometimes Dak's decision-making can be bad, but for the most part, it's pretty awesome. But in the case of Brady, obviously, he has fantastic decision-making, and it's only gotten better. I mean, we can talk about off the field where he's taking care of his body and eating avocado ice cream and not drinking a beer until he has a Super Bowl party, and he drinks beer on a boat. He He drinks avocado tequila shots, gets incredibly drunk, gets off the boat. Some people would say that tosses a Lombardi trophy uh, to to another boat. Some would say that's bad decision making. I would say you can do whatever the hell you want as long as you throw a, a Lombardi trophy from one boat to another. As long as it's a Lombardi trophy, it's fantastic. But if you're throwing beers, you got problems. You got a lot of problems. But as long as you're throwing Lombardis, I don't really care. You throw those Lombardis, you get those trophies. But Tom, great decision making on and off the football field. We've seen it with where if pressure comes and if the throw isn't there or if if it just, maybe not the throw isn't there, but maybe if it's a longer developing throw, like he just has no shot to make the throw, he'll just throw the ball away. He'll just throw the ball away. If there's nothing deep, he'll check it down. He'll nickel and dime you all day long, all dog on day long, nickel and dime, just bang, bang. He won't necessarily go for the for the home runs. He'll go for the the smart plays, and he'll just live to play another down. He'll try not to sit, take sacks. He'll try not to throw interceptions because he understands, like you know, giving the other team another possession is is gold in a mine. It's diamonds in a mine. It's gold diamonds in a mine. At the exact same time, it's like how's that possible? It's like I don't know, but you got it. Use it. So Tom Brady, absolutely fantastic, smart decision maker versus Carson Wentz, Drew Locke, terrible decision makers. And we see the difference. One has a Super Bowl. The other two don't make it to the playoffs. And probably one was benched. Carson was benched. Drew Locke should have been benched. And also the Broncos should draft a quarterback this year because their their quarterback sucks. Let me unplug my computer. Hello? Accidentally, I almost unplugged my microphone, too. All right. Decision-making, most important. It was the first one that I thought of. These aren't these aren't in numerical order, by the way. I just, off the top of the dome, just in case if you're like, these, are a new, they, these aren't in numerical order. Second thing, and I started this one as well, accuracy, ladies and gentlemen. Accuracy, understanding... And this can kind of go along with touch as well. Did I star touch? I don't think I... No, I did. I starred touch. Accuracy is super important. In the sense of where you place the ball. Right? And this kind of goes along with touch. Like, accuracy and touch kind of go hand in hand. But the reason why accuracy is so important is that... Like, like, 
like when you when you get into the more sophisticated and harder throws to make your accuracy needs to be sky high. And the reason why it needs to be sky high is that in the NFL, separation becomes extremely low. You don't have like five or six yards of separation consistently. You don't have all of this room for error. Like your accuracy starts, your accuracy needs to be better with the more complicated and complex throws because of just how little room you have to operate in. Understanding the coverages and where, and and, and even kind of like understanding if your man, if your if your wide receiver has beaten the DB, it's like, well, has he beaten him to the inside? Has he beaten him to the outside? If this is a go route, does he have inside leverage or outside leverage? Like, where exactly? How can you put the ball on the guy? And that kind of follows into touch. But I mean, accuracy is is pretty obvious. There is very very little separation in the NFL. You have to like 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 a yard or two is separation in the NFL. You got to put it on them. Got to be accurate with the dog on football. Or else you're going to miss a lot of big, big opportunities that the defense is going to is going to give you. It's that age-old saying: you give them an inch, they take a mile. The best quarterbacks, you give them half an inch, they'll take ten miles. Ask Tom Brady; he takes ten miles. I'm going to be using Tom Brady a lot in these analogies. He's the best quarterback ever. I got to use him. Yeah, they, he takes ten miles. I mean, I, it's hard to give you specific examples. But it's the Scotty, it's the Scotty Miller plays at the end of the half. It's smart decision making meets great accuracy, right? Where he throws the ball essentially right where Scotty Miller. And this happened in the Raiders game. This happened in the uh, the Packers game where Tom Brady was going deep for Scotty Miller, and he had thrown the ball perfectly to him for a touchdown. And Scotty, give him a lot of credit, had beat his man cleanly. And I mean, it was a pitch and catch. It was the easiest throw Tom Brady ever made. Because it's not very difficult. Because Tom Brady is already a super accurate quarterback. Meanwhile, Jimmy Garoppolo, not very accurate, missed an easy touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders. Same thing goes with Jared Goff. Right? Accuracy meets great decision making. Then another play that happened in the Super Bowl, the Mike Evans um, down the sideline play that that, um, he was tripped up on that went for, like I think, a 30-40 yard um, penalty in favor of the uh, of the Bucks before halftime. It was an amazing, important play because it set them up to score before halftime. I think going up like twenty something to like three or six. Awesome play for them. Generated so much momentum for them. Now, granted, if Mike Evans hadn't have tripped, some people would have been like, "Well, well, that he wouldn't have been able to cut it. He wouldn't have been." Able to cut it. And so I guess he would have if he didn't get tripped. Because once again, Brady had thrown the ball on the inside because Mike Evans had beaten that guy cleanly. And all Mike Evans needed to have done, if he wasn't impaired, if he wasn't interfered with passing the football, all he needed to have done was just thrown the football, not thrown it, but all he needed to have done, Mike Evans, all he needed, all he needed to have done was just run in stride and he would have caught the ball probably for a touchdown before that. But in the words of Mike Evans, one catch, one Super Bowl. It is what it is. Big shout out, Mike Evans. But yes, like, 
when you combine all of these different aspects, you get like a guy like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like the greats have a lot of what I'm talking about. And again, like accuracy meets decision-making. You can find it in a lot of quarterback throws. Like just, and those are kind of the intangible sides of things. Like those are a little bit of, of the things that you kind of have to like, like, I, I, I don't know. Like I can't necessarily point you to it. Well, I mean, technically I could, but like it's, it's hard to describe, I guess. Third thing that I got, Rappaport, Rappaport, Rapport, excuse me, with wide receivers. I kind of hesitated and I kind of debated on putting this and making this significant and starring this and making this significant. Because it's like, it's one of those things that you that you kind of like think to yourself, it's like, well, no, duh, like you, you got to have rapport with your wide receivers. It's like, I don't think you understand what I mean, right? I don't mean having rapport with one or two guys on the team. I'm talking about like five or six, having rapport with, with your entire wide receiving core. And again, when we talk, like I, I, I'm going to use Tom Brady a lot in this because he just, he's the greatest football player of all time. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He doesn't have the best career. He doesn't have the best resume. Sorry if everybody wants to say that. They're dumb if they say that. He is the best football player and quarterback of all time. It's just that simple. But Tom Brady, you see it with the rapport of his wide receivers and tight ends, right? You see it with, for example, a guy like Cameron Brait that can come in and play. I think he's the third wide receiver on the depth chart, and he can come in and be awesome for them. Not wide receiver, excuse me. Third tight end on the depth chart. And yes, I'm even counting tight ends into this mix, right? O.J. Howard was pretty awesome for them when he was healthy. And then you also have, for example, the three main guys. You have Mike Evans. You have... Chris Godwin, you have Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller, and then that guy, that rookie, Van Jefferson, I think. Jefferson, number 18, you have that guy. That's five deep. And then on top of that, he has rapport with the uh, the running backs as well. So that's an additional two more guys. And then uh, once again, two, three more guys. Keyshawn Vaughn had his first on, uh, excuse me, his first touchdown with Tom Brady. So that's three more guys that he has rapport with. And then on top of that, he has the three tight ends as well, making it like a grand total of like 11 different pass catchers on the football team. Just at Tom Brady's disposal. Now, granted, I mean, they all don't do the exact same thing. But when it comes to these wide receivers, you got to have rapport with them. It cannot be that they can just stop your number one or your number two, and then that's it. It's like they got to stop the number three, the number four, the number five. Got to stop the running backs. Got to stop the tight ends. Got to stop... They got, they got to stop everybody. They got, I mean, good, good. They got to stop everybody, everybody on the team. It's a team sport. Got to stop everybody. Tom Brady, perfect example of it. And you see, like Aaron Rodgers is another perfect example of it. Again, I'm going to use the greats because they're great for a reason. Like Aaron Rodgers, Alan Lazard, Valdez Scantling Jr., uh, Devontae Adams, Tanyan, all three of his running backs. I forgot the guy that they had who was like their who was like their second or third guy besides like Alan Lazard, but I mean they had another guy that he was awesome with. And it's like it's similar to Tom Brady. It's like where he's got, you know, all three running backs he's got some form of a rapport with. And then with his wide receivers he's got rapport. I mean, he's I mean, Aaron Rodgers is is fantastic at developing rapport with his wide receivers. As well as Tom Brady, obviously. 
So report with wide receivers is fantastic. The antithesis, once again, Drew Locke, Carson Wentz. Again, get used to the examples that I'm going to, you know, that I'm going to talk about here. These kind of get lumped together. Pre-snap reads, post-snap reads. These didn't get starred. The reason why I don't think these are the most important aspects, I think these are icing on the cake, right? Pre-snap reads especially. Like, you see a lot of quarterbacks understanding that a blitz is coming and they just won't, like, adjust pre-snap-wise. They'll just be like, all right, I'll just run around post-snap because I'm mobile and stuff like that. And then the vice versa kind of happens with Tom Brady, for example, where it's like, like Russell Wilson is a great example of somebody who doesn't make adjustments pre-snap, but will make adjustments post-snap because his offensive line is terrible. And then Tom Brady is like, I'm Tom Brady. I ran like the slowest combine 40, I think, of a quarterback. Like I cannot, I literally cannot run. So what I'm just going to do is I'm just going to make adjustments pre-snap. And we'll kind of see what happens, which is why I don't think they're, they're the most important. They're important aspects. You have to be good at one or the other. If you're good at both, you're like Patrick Mahomes, essentially. Or no, 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 no. You're like, you're kind of Aaron Rodgers in that sense. In the sense of like, he, he's mobile, he can scramble, but he can also make pre-snap reads. You know, he's not like as great as Tom Brady as it. I, I think Brady's in his own bracket. But as it pertains to like, you know, your inability or your ability to be able to read defenses, like, just reading de- – like, did I put reading defense? I don't think I did. Reading defenses is important. Wish I would have put that. Again, I could have put a lot of stuff. But simply put, reading defense is super duper important, ladies and gentlemen. Pre and pro snap, super important. Another thing that I starred, footwork. It's how you generate power. It's how you, you know, have your base. I starred it. Super important. When you watch, for example, Tom Brady throw, it's like like Bill Walsh said. I remember watching this like little clip with Bill Walsh talking about Joe Montana. He's talking about like just look at how graceful like Joe Montana's feet are, and it's like again, same thing with Tom, same thing with all the best quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes. Like like when 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 your quarterback, when a quarterback has great footwork, they can establish their base. They can drop back in a three or a five or a seven step drop back. Or in Patrick's case, like a 10-step drop back or however deep some of his drop backs are. Like these, you know, they can step back. They can drop back. I don't know if it's 10 steps or 10 yards. I'm blanking. I'm tired. They can drop back. And their footwork establishes that base that they use to um, to, to develop a platform to throw off. of, Right? You know, like try throwing a, a fadeaway jump or try throwing it like a uh, an off balance, like, like a throw. It's awkward. It's weird. It's unnatural. Whereas, you know, throwing, you know, on two feet on a platform, having that footwork is, it, it feels natural and you can generate power off of it. Like Mahomes, for example, is a, is a perfect example of somebody who has great footwork and great arm talent as well. We'll kind of get into that a little bit later on where he can, like, be parallel to the ground, and he can throw a sidearm pass and freaking, like, 
freaking nail uh, number 30-something in the helmet, and he drops the pass, but you know how it is. Footwork is super important. Super duper important. Someone with, like, bad footwork, and this kind of flows into throwing motions, which we're going to get into next. Cam Newton has a bad throwing motion. I'm not so sure about his footwork. Carson Wentz has bad footwork. Cam Newton has, like, a bad throwing motion or an awkward throwing motion where he, like, stops and, like, will kind of, like, twist and kind of, like, fucking muscle that football through it. It's weird, his throwing motion. It's super weird. Like, watch Cam Newton throwing a football. It looks weird, man. Again, like, I'm not even going to mention Brady. I'm just going to mention, like, all the best quarterbacks. Like, even when Patrick Mahomes, like, did that weird and awkward parallel throw... You saw, like, 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 like the, the throw itself was incredible, and the throwing motion was correct. It was like how he was kind of, like, throwing a baseball. Almost. It, was, it was this weird-ass, like, throwing motion where he, like, got his entire torso into it to generate that power, right? Because he's, he's in the air. He's not, like, on the ground. He doesn't have a platform. And he kind of, like, jerked his entire upper body, and that's where he generated the, the power to go into the football. Almost like he was throwing a baseball, really. Super accurate. I don't know how he does it. I, Patrick Mahomes is a... Is a I, 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 I swear to you, he's cheating. I don't know how he's cheating. He's cheating. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does some of that stuff. Throwing motion is super important. Super important, excuse me. Even when you're off balance, fading away on your side, about to go to the, the ground, throwing motion is still... A, no idea how Patrick Mahomes throws that doggone thing like that. Pocket presence is another one that I did not star, that I need to star. I got a pen. Let me start right now. Yes, sir. Pocket presence is super important. Um, the reason why pocket presence is super important and how I kind of define pocket presence is being able to, to kind of like feel what's going on in the pocket and navigate the pocket. It's kind of like two things in one. I may get that wrong. I may get the official definition wrong. But it's essentially to understand what's going on around you and to be able to move in the pocket. And once again, the best have fantastic pocket presence. And I kind of want to speak on Mahomes during this, right? Mahomes' pocket presence in the Super Bowl was fantastic. I mean, his tackles were getting obliterated, right? In the sense of they just could not establish, you know, blocking on the edge. They couldn't do anything. Eric Fisher or Eric Fisher's replacement was getting absolutely destroyed. Kansas City could not stop JPP and Shaq Barrett. And Mahomes, knowing that he cannot stay in the pocket or else he's going to take a sack, he's like, I got to fucking bail. I got to run out. I got to start scrambling. I got to start dancing. I got to start dancing. A whole lot of dance. whole lot of dancing like we're in the disco. Rolling around, running around, trying to find somebody open. Sidearm flip. Fantastic pocket presence in the Super Bowl by Patrick Mahomes. In the sense of, there was no pocket for him to have presence in, so he had to get out of the pocket and, uh, and, and keep plays alive. Fantastic job by, Pat by Patrick Mahomes. But, like, it is also about being technical and being refined and 
standing in the pocket and navigating the pocket when you feel the rush, which is why I also included like, yeah, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to feel that rush out. You gotta be able to understand like, okay, this is, this is what, this is what's coming. What's coming my way as a pass rush. I gotta be able to, you know, to avoid it by stepping up in the pocket. By understanding I'm on a, I'm on a digital clock. I got three seconds for the most part to be able to navigate the pocket. And once that three seconds is up, I better get that ball out of my hands or I better step up or I better step out or I better climb or shift or I better take off because the pass rush JPP, that monster with seven and a half fingers is coming to decapitate me. So JPP, not JPP. So pocket presence is very, very important. Once again, bad quarterback. Um, flip side of that, Carson Wentz has no pocket presence. <laughs> it's why he was like one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL. And um, also had like a bunch of turnovers as well because his pocket presence is garbage because the pass rush could get there, except when he played up against the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, the dog on terrible. Pocket presence is super important. Then we're going to talk about the two different kind of measurements of arm strength, which I think both are super important. Velocity and distance, right? So let me kind of get into what velocity and distance mean when it comes to throwing a football. So when you think of, you know, arm talent or arm strength, the first thing that you think of is, oh my gosh, like, like this guy can throw a football like 80 yards. Like, that's the only part that you think of. The other part that you also need to think of is how fast they can throw a football. Like, what's their fastball time, right? It's like some quarterbacks, it's the bullet. It's the really, really speedy throw that you see in games. It's the really straight line rope, point A to point B. There's no arc on the ball. It's just bang, bang, right? That velocity throw is super important, and I'll get into why in a little bit. The distance throw is important in the sense of, like, you, you can't be an NFL quarterback if you don't throw, like, 40, 50 yards, right? If you can't throw a football, 40, 50 yards, right? You just can't be. You can't. It's impossible. I guess just, I mean, that's just factual. Second thing about arm strength and arm talent is that the velocity of the football, how fast you're spinning it is super important as well. Because sometimes when it comes to throws, there's a, a, a timing window to it. A guy is only open for half a second or a quarter second or three-fourths of a second or sometimes even a full second. And that window will open and then it will close. And if you are late with the football, the DB, the safety, the linebacker can make a play on the football. Maybe not an interception, but maybe, for example, a, 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 a PBU, a pass broken up. Instead of it being a completion. You know, the, the timing of it matters. Not just when you get the ball in and out of your hands, but also how fast it is, how punchy it is, how quick it is. Spinning, obviously. That also matters as well. So that's why, like, velocity is super duper important. I'm trying to think of a bad quarterback who has, like, bad velocity. 
And velocity somewhat is a touch because there are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, they're not throwing the football as fast as they possibly can. So it's kind of hard to, to figure out like who has bad touch in the NFL. But there are some guys that just like, maybe not bad touch, but bad velocity. Because I'm pretty sure everybody in the NFL can throw the football really, really fast. But it's hard to, it's hard to like figure out. Like I, I think it's just like is a lack of touch and I'll get into touch in a minute. But yeah, like velocity is super fucking important. And it's like, again, it's like with distance. It's like, I got to burp. Excuse me. It's, it's, it's the same thing with distance. It's like, how do you, like you, you, if you cannot throw a football fast, you're not an NFL quarterback. This is if you cannot throw the football 40, 50 yards, you're not an NFL quarterback. All right. Anyways. The three different distances when it comes to throws. Short, intermediate, intermediate, and deep, right? We kind of all know all three. Short is like five yards. Intermediate is 10. I think deep is like 20 plus yards. Yes, deep is 20 plus yards. Some people are like, that's not deep. Yes, it is, right? When you factor in the football field and how much you're actually playing on it, right? For the most part, you're playing on 75 yards worth of field, right? Because you start the game at your own 25. You start the kickoff from um, from your own 25, all right? So, and because you start your the game at your own 25, you only have to go to 75 yards. So if you take away 20 yards, you've taken away a third of the field. If you take away 30 yards, you've taken away half the field. If you take away 40 yards, you've now taken away over half the field. Right, so twenty yards in the NFL is a big play, and it, yes, if you if you randomly have like uh, if you start the drive off at your one yard line, then 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 guess what? That twenty yard gain is a fifth of the field, which is a lot. It's still a lot, regardless. Twenty yards is a lot of yards, and that's like the bottom tier of deep balls. Like most deep balls are like 30, 35 yards, and again. Going with that 75-yard uh, distance to the end zone, that 35 to 30-yard play is half the field. Like, literally, it's half the field. Don't sleep. Do not sleep on deep balls that go for 30 yards. You will never, ever, ever have to throw a football 70 yards unless it's, like, on a Hail Mary. 70, 80 yards, never have to do it. Patrick Mahomes can throw it probably 80 yards easily. Never have to throw a ball 70 yards. So, yes, like, if you you need to be able to throw the football 5 yards, 10 yards, 20 yards down the field. And you may ask me, who's the guy that can't throw 5 yards consistently? That's Cam Newton, Carson Wentz. Hate to use it. Again, I'm going to use the exact same guys all over again. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, I've seen him miss deep balls all the time. There's a reason why there's a lot of screenplays involved within the 49ers play calling. Because it's just like Garoppolo cannot throw down the field to save his fucking life. But yeah, like you see, you see the constant, maybe not constant. Um, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it, but you do see the constant. I, no, not even the constant, excuse me, but you do see in the NFL a ability to be able to throw deep, right? And intermediate and short. And, and they're all important because it's like once teams understand that you don't have 
a throw or a specific amount or not a specific amount of throws, excuse me, but a specific group of throws not in your arsenal, they'll just fucking take advantage of it. And it's just like, oh, you, you can't throw the ball deep? Cool, we'll just guard underneath. And again, it's it's like, it's it goes with distance and velocity. It's like, I have no idea how you're an NFL quarterback if you can't throw the ball deep or short or intermediate. And there are guys that can't and that are in the NFL. And they struggle mightily in the NFL because they can't, because they are missing like certain key throws and they just get exposed. It's like, like, like they just can't, they just don't have the accuracy on the field. They don't have the, um, the development that they need. Like, and they just get fucking rattled by some of these different throws, man. So yeah, short, intermediate, deep, very important throws. Another one that I starred, and by the way, I got all three of those starred. Another one that I starred, consistency. I starred literally every single one of them. <laughs> so it's like a couple. Um, consistency of play is also super important. Like you don't want to have roller coaster rides with a quarterback. You want consistency um, all the way. I would rather take somebody like like it's not like a, a rather, but like it it kind of goes back to that term the best ability is availability but it kind of goes into like it goes a little bit deeper in the sense of like consistency is the best thing for you as a quarterback in the sense of like you know you don't want to have one game where you pop off and then one game where you have like five interceptions and then like another game where you pop off like that's Jameis Winston Jameis Winston is the best example when it comes to just inconsistency where he can fucking throw five touchdowns against the Rams and then go that next week and then go like a week before week after against the Houston Texans and throw like three interceptions within one quarter. It's like, what is going on? But yeah, like that's, that's like the difference between somebody like Drew Brees, where it's like, you'll get pretty consistent play for the majority of the year. And um, even Russell Wilson kind of struggles with consistency as well where Russell Wilson will have like a really, really awesome first couple of weeks and then he'll drop off midway through the season and then he'll kind of come back up again, but it'll never be back to what he once was at the beginning of the season. Like that's what I mean by like consistency of play. It's like, it's it's kind of hard for your team to build around you consistent. It's hard for the team to be consistent when the quarterback isn't consistent. Because it's like, wait, can we do this? Can we do the things that we were doing at the beginning of the season, at the end of the season? No, because the quarterback isn't playing. Now we have to change the, the game plan up. So maybe it's not necessarily one-to-one uh, when it comes to what we can do and things of that nature. Like, we don't necessarily know what we can do. Like, consistency is super important. I got another one. This one isn't starred because I think that a lot of people, once again, they can kind of get away with reading coverages. This is the 15th one that I have. Reading coverages is a pretty important one, but I didn't star it because, once again, people can kind of get away with, you know, um, athleticism and mobility and things like that. We'll, we'll get into those things in a little bit. But, like, Reading coverages, again, all of these aspects are important, but some are way more important than the others. And I think to some degree with reading coverages, you can kind of get away with it if, like, you're just a super talented fucking quarterback. Like, Cam is, is the perfect example of it. Cam is not known for reading coverages. But the thing with Cam is that Cam is super athletic. He's super mobile. He's strong. 
He has a powerful arm. He doesn't really need to read coverages to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. He can just fucking do whatever he wants to because he's Cam Newton. Or at least he could for like a good four or five years. And then it's like came back to bite him in his ass after he went to the Super Bowl. So that's kind of like the dichotomy of reading coverages versus not reading coverages. Maybe not reading coverages versus not reading coverages, but just like there's the mechanical aspect of playing football. And then there's like, you know, the natural talent, the, the gifted aspect of the NFL, I guess. 16th mobility started mobility and that doesn't necessarily mean scrambling that can mean it's i kind of left it open-ended it can just mean you know you're mobile as a quarterback and yes that also means mobile within the pocket i think mobility is is only relegated to scrambling and running around and buying time by rolling out of the pocket and trying to get to the edge and scramble around and buy time and threaten the run while also looking down the field to the pass. And like, I think, I think like Mahomes once again is a perfect example of a quarterback who's extremely mobile, right? He can step up in the pocket. He can climb the pocket. He can shift in the pocket, but he can also bail out. He can also roll out to his right, roll out to his left and look down the field while also threatening to run. Like he's to me, a better version of Aaron Rodgers when it comes to scrambling because of, like, like Aaron will kind of threaten the run, but Patrick will. He will run down the football field. Once again, in the Super Bowl, Tom, not Tom, Patrick, I think had, like, the most rushing yards on his football team for, like, a full quarter, I think. So, yeah, like, mobility is, is super important, whether it is in the pocket or out of the pocket, I think um, matters. But, I mean, as long as you don't, like, as long as you have – as long as you're not a statue, as long as you don't get fucking like Ben Roethlisberger is kind of a statue where it's like he's he's an extremely gifted quarterback, but I don't think he developed the mobility of like a Tom Brady when it comes to his ability to scramble or not scramble, but move and have pocket presence uh, within the pocket. I think he's just talented, you know. By the way, shout out to um, fucking. I was about to say Gurren Lagan, but fucking, oh my god, Promare. They went from, like, fighting as humans to now, like, fighting as, as in, in these, like, skyscraper-like mechs. And it's like, I mean, they're, they're fucking, like, one, one mech is, like, super tall and super big than the other. And the other one is, like, summoning flame dragons out of its right arm, out of its right bicep. And throwing them at the other big... It's such a cool fight. Again, I, I, like, Pro, Pro Mare is like the best eye candy ever. The animation, the fights. Sweet Jesus, it's, it's, is it an awesome movie. Anyways, back to football. Talked about mobility. Athleticism is another like trait. That's just essentially like... It's it's the Michael Vick, right? It's the whole... You know, you're, you're, you're a quarterback who has a six-pack, right? You're fast, you're quick. You know, if you're it, Lamar Jackson is the modern day example of that, where it's like he's super athletic. He's a six pack. Deshaun, six pack. Super athletic quarterbacks that can move around, that can dance, that can dance on you. But they can also just 
take off with the juice and get going and get gone in a hurry. You know, again, Patrick Mahomes, he's athletic. Patrick Mahomes is a fantastic football player. Tom Brady is not. <laughs> he is not he is not very athletic. As great as Tom Brady is, he is not very athletic. You know, like as much as people want to preach about perfection, it's like perfection is impossible. You know, Tom Brady's the greatest football player of all time, but even he struggles with certain things. But yeah, athleticism, it's one of those things that is important, but not not so important that I start it. Because again, you know, if you're mobile within the pocket, you don't necessarily need to be a, a you know, a, an athletic quarterback. Speaking of athleticism and natural talent, arm talent, arm strength are kind of falling into that. And I didn't star either one of them because I think that arm talent and arm strength are just buzzwords that kind of mean the exact same thing. That kind of flow into what we talked about earlier with arm strength and, not arm strength, velocity and distance when it comes to throwing the football. And I think that there's a lot of different ways to be able to develop arm strength and arm talent within the NFL. You have to work on it, but you can develop those two main things, right? So I I think they're important, but I don't think they're as important because A, you can develop them. B, there's certain traits and attributes that you can that you can work on that you can get yourself um um in the league. Like it's it's hard to explain, but it's like like arm talent and arm strength, it's not just that you can develop them that makes them like not as sought after for me. It's like it's like the things that are in arm strength and arm talent, I think, are usually designed by like genetics and like whether or not you're you know, you're you know, like you you were born with like a whip of an arm. But I think you can de- develop a lot of those tendencies. I got a burp. Excuse me. Like, I think one of the tenants, I think you can develop the tendencies of somebody who has arm strength and arm talent is what I'm trying to say. So I don't necessarily think that you need it to be an NFL quarterback, a great one, but like, like you still need some of it, right? Still need some of it. Like you need to be able to throw the football, but you know, again, these aren't important enough to start because I think you can develop these aspects. The last four are all starred because they're all important. Like I, like I just don't. I just don't think they're I, – I just don't think you can have a quarterback without these last four. Touch. Touch is a weird way to say the different types of throws that a quarterback makes and has. Like understanding when you need to throw a bullet versus a lob. Understanding like the arc of the ball and how high or how how much of an arc, excuse me, that you need to put on the ball, on the ball versus how little. And on and on and on and on and on. Like – Touch is super important to be able uh, to, to have in the NFL because if you throw the incorrect pass, what will happen is, once again, a, a defensive player can make a play on the football and or the, um, the wide receiver is going to be out of position because it's your fault because instead of throwing a go route, and I was watching a lot of like the, the Atlanta Falcons game against the Cowboys, Dak just started to throw back shoulder fades when in some cases he needed to also throw like a go route to Michael, but he's just like, I'll just throw it up to Gallup because he's been winning all day. Instead of just being super technical, I'll be a little bit looser with the football. And he did it kind of intentionally, and I didn't like it that much. But he did it intentionally. It was weird. But he did it intentionally. 
And even though he did it intentionally, even though he was like, yeah, I'm going to throw the deep ball or I'm going to throw the back shoulder fade, I'm also going to give Michael Gallup a shot because he's been smoking these DBs all doggone day. But as it pertains to, like, quarterbacks, yeah, like, touch is super important. It's, like, the most important fucking thing or one of the most important things in the NFL. And it kind of goes back to decision-making and accuracy where I got to snuff my candle flame. Been going for almost two hours. Where it's like touch, decision making, and accuracy, they kind of flow together quite nicely, actually. Where, you know, if you understand that a ball needs to have like a certain amount of air underneath it to get to its target while also going above certain defenders, maybe a defender is getting a little bit cheeky with, you know, with, um, with, batting balls down at the line of scrimmage. Maybe you need to throw it over the defender and putting a little bit more sauce on the football. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you don't. Maybe you need to throw a bullet because it's a timing route. It's a, you know, it's a route where you're reading the, the zone coverage or not the zone coverage, excuse me, but the zone, uh, the coverage, excuse me, which is zone. And you're like, okay, is this guy open here? Is, is, is he open? And like, is the timing correct? Can I throw, can I throw the football now? Or do I need to, um, to wait a little bit? But yeah, like, like zones, not zones, but yeah, like the different throws that you make in different situations matters a lot. It matters a lot. And again, flows quite nicely. With once again, accuracy, decision making, touch, super important. I started. Next one I got, film study. I mean, film and tape study. I mean, I don't study film and tape. I'm not a quarterback, but I, I even recognize like how important it is. I watch a lot of games, and even I'm like, I don't watch a lot of football. There's way too much that goes around. There's way too much that happens. Maybe not goes around. Film and tape study, just... And it flows into preparedness, but... Film and tape study are super important to understand like what the defense is doing and reading keys and things that you can take advantage of to help you out as an offense. You know, it's not just like understanding matchups and things of that nature, but it's also understanding like, oh, okay, this is what our offense can do, can do, excuse me, versus their offense, things of that nature. Film and tape study, super important. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, there's a clip going around of them looking at Ed Reed and breaking down his game. And it's like, you think Tom Brady just walks to the stadium and pisses excellence? No, he actually has to do a little bit of work. Film and tape study, incredibly important. You can tell. You can definitely tell. You can tell, like, Drew Locke doesn't do a whole lot of film and tape study. (laughs) You can tell. You can tell Carson Wentz. Very, very similar thing, right? You can kind of tell... Like, usually the best quarterbacks, they have some form of an attribute where they're just super fantastic at, whether they're great when it comes to being able to have great touch or great um, uh, great velocity and distance, where their accuracy, decision-making is, is fantastic. Like, all of these different aspects that we've talked about for almost an hour, like, you can tell that they're awesome at because... Of um of of their play, like you can other you can also tell other players are just like are kind of just winging it, you know. But yeah, like 
There's some guys that wing it. There's other guys that watch film and tape, and they understand their keys, and they understand what the defense is doing, and they're like, oh, we can take advantage of this. Film and tape study super important. Leadership. Shannon Sharp broke it down <clears throat> on Colin Cowherd's position. Or not Colin Cowherd's position, excuse me. Sorry, I'm tired. It's almost 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, I just realized that. I'm like, wow. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm tired. It's almost 2 Anyway, sorry about that. Um, Sh- Shannon broke it down on Colin Cowherd's show, I think, a couple of years ago. He was talking about how, like, Jay Cutler was was like a a a quarterback a player who was playing quarterback or he played quarterback but he wasn't a quarterback and what he was trying to say was that the quarterback one of the aspects that comes with being a quarterback is being a leader and Jay Cutler was just a quarterback but he wasn't a leader right and how that negatively affected the team and you can kind of see that with certain teams where it's like wait a second this guy is just you know, playing the position of quarterback, but he's not really a leader, right? Another fantastic example is Carson Wentz uh, when it comes to being a a terrible leader and how he's like, well, um, I'm trying to, my team is trying to win a playoff game, but instead of winning a playoff game, or not winning a playoff game, excuse me, but my team is trying to go to the playoffs to win a playoff game instead of helping to prepare the team to play and win a playoff game. Or not a playoff game, but enough regular season games to win a playoff game. I'm going to um, I'm going to talk about how I want out of Philly, even though we're still in playoff contention, right? The flip side of that coin, ironically enough, on the same team is Jalen Hurts, who next month is trying to get wide receivers down in Texas to work with him, so that way they can prepare for next season, so that way they can try to win football games. Winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. You'll take that over not preparing and coming in a training camp looking like you're hurt, even though you're not. You just suck. Yeah, leadership, super important. Final one that I'll talk about is preparation. Again, Tom Brady talked about it in the Super Bowl. He's like, we got the answers to the test. All we need to do is go out and do it. What's the actual quote? What's the actual quote? Where he's like talking to the wide receivers. He's talking to like the wide receivers and he's talking to them and he's like, guys, like, like, listen, man, we got the answers to the test. I'm looking it up right now. Hold on. Hold on. Or it's like, we got the answers on the test, but we just like. Sorry about that. But we just got to now go out and do it. I'm now like trying to find the quote because it's it's a it's a brilliant quote that Tom Brady, like some people are going to be like, yeah, he's just using it to hype up his guys. It's like, no, they've like, like apparently Mike Evans, he talked about it on Rich Eisen's show or some other show. He's like, yeah, like Tom texted us stuff like, like during, um, where is it? Like, he texted us stuff, like, during the week at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, that's Tom Brady. Let me try and find it here. I think I found it. Hold on. Here it is. Here it is. Boom. Money. Money. We're going to get a little bit of Mahomes. Money. 
money, this quote. Great day, boys. Lock in now. Lock in. You know what to do. You know, end up from here. Now we're just playing ball. Whoa. We already know what they're going to do. We've got all the answers for the test. Now we just got to go have some fun. Let's go execute. Right? So, if you didn't catch it, because Tom Brady wasn't technically mic'd up, it was Mike Evans, and they got the audio from Mike Evans being mic'd up. What he was talking about was he's like, you know, we already got the answers to the test. All we got to do is go out and execute. Spot on, ladies and gentlemen. He's spot on once again. He's absolutely right. Because he know, and they know, that all they've been doing all doggone week, and to be honest with you, for the last two weeks at that point, is just study the Kansas City Chiefs defense. What is on my hands? My hands are super fucking dry. There's like white shit on my hands. Hold on. I'm black. Are my hands ashy? It's like the inside of my palms. It's like there's, it's like they're, they're like I, I look at, uh, like I, I'm sitting in a dark room. It's like, they're just dry. My hands are dry. Oh my God. Sorry about that. But, um, yeah, like Brady was right. What he was talking about was absolutely right. He was like, listen guys, like, I mean, we studied this team for two weeks straight. I've texted you at all, at all hours trying to figure out what they're trying to do. And I mean, we're golden. We're green. We've gotten what we wanted. We're ready to go. We're ready to play football. Let's go out there and win. And they did. And they won a Super Bowl. So those were my 23 different aspects of the quarterback position. My remote fell on my ground. This is my DVD player remote. Don't worry. It's like a half and half. It's like one of those old DVD players. That's like a VHS player and a DVD player because it's like I have VHSs, bro. It's like I I got a lot of VHSs, my guy. Where's the other battery? Here it is. Ugh. It's like, you know, what were the three different, the 23 different aspects? I'll kind of go faster with the aspects because... It's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I am mucho tired of 23 different aspects of the quarterback position. And again, this isn't an all-encompassing, all-engrossing list. This is just my personal list, and there's definitely things that I could have added on. I think I got a burp. Yeah. Yes, I do. Excuse me. All right, here we go. Decision-making. Accuracy. Rapport with wide receivers. Pre-snap reads, post-snap reads, footwork, got to be shifty, throwing motion, pocket presence, get up in that pocket, velocity, and distance when it comes to throwing the football. Remember, fastballs and just straight-up distance, like can you throw a football 40 to 50 yards. Short distance passing, intermediate distance passing, deep ball passing. We talked about, you know, how important it is to take away a third of the field potentially or half the field. You know, when you start at your own 25 and go 75 yards down the football field, how big it is to have a 20-yard gain. Consistency of play. You don't want to be up and down like a roller coaster. Uh, reading coverages. Pretty important. Mobility. Got to step up in the pocket or find a way to evade the rush. More specifically. that I don't know why it took me like an hour to say evade the rush, but the rush, excuse me. But I, I mean, that's essentially what it is. Athleticism, Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson. 
arm talent, arm strength, you know, just stuff that you can kind of develop. But, you know, uh, like, like Mahomes has a lot of arm talent and arm strength. He's, he's, he's a beast. Uh, touch, you know, the different forms, the different throws that you have. Film and tape study, you know, like, I mean, Tom Brady talking about, you know, how, like, like how they're ready for the test. And, again, this goes into preparation a little bit as well. Leadership as well. You know, there's certain guys that you want to play for. You, you don't want to play for other guys. Jay Cutler is one of them. Preparation. Um, again, Tom Brady saying the answer to the test. I'm mucho tired of. By the way, best part of the movie I'm at right now. A little bit of a spoiler for um, Promare if you want to watch it. They literally set the universe on fire. No, it's not the universe. It's the solar system. But technically, our solar system is a part of the universe. So technically, I'm a little bit right. But yeah, I mean, like, it's one of the... Y- you gotta see the movie. <laughs> I-, I kid you not, I'm watching it right now. Like, there's the-, there's the dragon that goes into the sun, lights the sun on fire. The sun then lights all of the planets on fire. And then they all fucking swirl around... And then they light the entire solar system on fire. And then the earth becomes warm again because it's frozen. Oh my god, it's Promera. Fantastic movie, man. You gotta go watch it. Rent it on Amazon. No excuses. Create an Amazon account. Doesn't even have to be Prime. You won't get it if you're on Prime. You gotta pay money. But you gotta get it on Prime, ladies and gentlemen. Not on Prime. You gotta, you gotta fucking watch Pro Mare, man. Gotta watch Pro Mare. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. I'm not gonna lie, I feel, I feel pretty damn good about this podcast. This episode. Uh, hopefully, I don't feel badly about it in like literally 10 to 15 minutes like like literally pause the music like literally after some of those podcasts that i had made this week i was like i don't like that like literally yesterday's intro i was off beat when it came to kanye west uh song and i i heard it i was like this sounds like hot garbage i hate it i hate it what was it What's worse, the pain or the hangover? I was off beat. I, and I also didn't know the lyrics that, that much. I was like, fresh air ro- blowing down your window. Too many Urkels on your team. That's why your wind's low. Fresh air blowing out your window. See, I don't, like, I'm not good with lyrics. The plan was to drink until the pain's over. But what's worse, the pain or the hangover? Fresh air blowing out your window. Too many Urkels on the, your team. That's why your wind's low. Boom. Can we get much higher? Uh, like, I nailed it on that part, but I didn't nail it last night, so I I understand how terrible it was. Um, if you like this podcast, you can find this podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Radio Public. Oh, baby. Take it off Sunday. Gonna be back Monday. Not at, like, midnight or noon or whatever. This is, I don't know. I'm juice. Very juice. Pro Mare, shout out to them. They just ended it. I kid you not, the movie is now rolling. Their credit 
great fucking movie. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm out 24. I'll see you next time. Baby.